Hi, this is Emily Kurt, and you're listening to the Radical Radiance Podcast. Hey friends, welcome back to the Radical Radiance Podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca George, and I am so excited for you to join us today for this special episode all about chapter three of Do the Thing, Gospel-Centered Goals, Gumption, and Grace for the Go-Getter Girl. This chapter is called Spirit-Led Stick-To-Itiveness, and I could not think of a better friend to invite to have this conversation with than my sweet friend, Emily Kurt. Emily Kurt founded With the Shepherd. She is a fellow writer, speaker, friend, and I just think you're going to glean so much wisdom from her. She was on the show back a couple of years ago, and so it was so fun to welcome her back. And so without further ado, let's welcome Emily to the show. Emily, I am so excited to welcome you back to the show after a couple of years. So welcome back, friend. I'm so happy to be here. I was thinking about that and praying about that today, thinking it was probably fall 2020 and it was do the thing movement the last time I was here. So I'm so grateful to be back. Yeah, which is so fun. Some people who are new listeners won't know that, that Mm -hmm. the original name of the show was not Radical Radiance. And you have really walked alongside me throughout that entire journey. You were one of my interns the first year or so that I had the podcast And it feels so fun to see what God has done in both of our lives since we've sat across a mic from each other. And I'm so excited to bring you into this conversation about chapter three of Do the Thing. So the title of that chapter is Spirit-Led Stick-Tuitiveness. And it just felt so right (laughs) to have this conversation Mm -hmm. with you because of the number of conversations we have had about enduring through hard moments in both of our callings and mm-hmm. what that's looked like in different seasons. And so I'm really excited about what we're talking about today. And as we have with every other episode geared towards a specific chapter of the book, we are starting with scripture. And so I've pulled out a couple of passages that we either talked about or touched on in that particular chapter. We'll start there. We'll dig in a little bit more into the material in the chapter and and go from there. So let's do it. Let's do it. I love it. So the first passage I'm going to read for us, it's in Ephesians chapter two. It's a little long, so bear with me. It's verses one through 10 and... It says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And I know to me this is a familiar passage, but it is so powerful in light of the thought and the idea of stick-to-itiveness and endurance Mm -hmm. in our calling. And so I wonder as I read that, how do Paul's words encourage you in remembering that at the core, we are partnering with God and he is the one enabling us to live a life of faithful obedience, even when it's hard. What stuck out to me, especially this time listening to that was the fact that he prepared them beforehand and we get to walk in them. And the thing that I just think over and over again is I want to walk in them. And I think we, culture tells us that we get to write our own life and we get to be the hero of our own story and that we get to decide what our destiny is. And at the end of the day, honestly, that's just a lot of pressure. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's I find so much comfort in the fact and that mm-hmm, that when it gets really hard and I don't want to get up and take care of my family and take care of my and show up to my job and all of the things I get to rest on the fact that he has prepared me and he has prepared what I'm set to do beforehand and it's not all up to me yeah it's not all up to me and it's not all on me either and Mm -hmm. that's such a comfort and just such an encouragement and I think as a go-getter girl, as an achiever type personality, I just keep using the word freedom mm-hmm. because I actually think I take a breath of fresh air when I remember that I'm not the one in control <laughs> and that I'm not the one that planned all of these things long ago, that it was it was God himself. So that's such an encouragement. I love that. And as listeners and readers will notice, at the end of every chapter starting in chapter two, we take a look quickly at the end of each chapter of someone in the Bible who really modeled what we're talking about well, or part of their story relates to what we unpack in the chapter. And in chapter three, we talk about Nehemiah and his perseverance amidst all sorts of distraction. And so I pulled out the few verses and and there's a bigger story at play. So We don't have time to get into that today. So for listeners, if you've never read the book of Nehemiah, it is such an encouragement. And so go do that after this conversation. But we're going to just jump into Nehemiah chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 1 through 4 for us. Now when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall, the wall of Jerusalem, and that there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I had not set up the doors in the gates, Sanballat and Geshep sent to me, saying, Come and let us meet together in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm, and I sent messengers to them, saying, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And they sent to me four times in this way, and I answered them in the same manner. And so as you think about Nehemiah's story and his stick-to-itiveness in the midst of those distractions, how does that spur you on 
in the midst of similar moments. We all have those moments of distraction in our calling. So how does that spur you on? It just made me smile when you pulled this scripture out because not only is he interrupted once, but he's interrupted again and again. And the thing that encouraged me encourages me the most about what Nehemiah continues on with is that the people around him don't understand what he's doing. The people around him don't understand the worth of what's going on. They might think that he's a fool. They might think that he's wasting his time. And so I was so encouraged to just be reminded that the people around me probably won't or may not get it, but that doesn't change the worth of the obedience. And when he said, why should the work stop? I just want to write that everywhere in my workspaces because I think, you know, if it's an interruption from a loved one and we need to submit the rest of our schedule to the Lord, okay, the work can stop and we can focus on the person in the moment. But should the work stop for all these lesser things that often do, I think that could be a really helpful question to just think to yourself when you have to press pause, why should it stop? And is this worthy of stopping what God's called me to do? Did you know that my debut book, Do the Thing, Gospel-Centered Goals, Gumption, and Grace for the Go-Getter Girl is available wherever you like to buy books? I wrote it Well, I wrote it just for you, friends. So if you are ready to see your gifts and talents from a gospel-centered perspective, prioritize goals related to your calling as you move forward with gumption and grace, maximize your passions in the work you do every day, actively partner with God to serve Him and love others, and overcome negative thought patterns so you can brainstorm, develop, and create with the confidence of a go-getter girl. If that sounds like you, then I want you to order today at the link in the show notes below. Each chapter includes prayer prompts, scripture for further study, questions for reflection, action steps to move your goal forward, and accompanying videos for individual or small group discussion. So grab a friend or 12 and let's use God's word as our compass to do the thing. After all, if not now, when? One of my greatest joys is having the opportunity to come share God's word at women's events, retreats, and conferences. I'm booking speaking engagements for this year and next year and would love to chat with you about your church's next event. Shoot me an email at hello at radicalradiance.live to start a conversation today. Ooh, is this worthy of stopping what God's called me to do? That's such a powerful question to ask. I love that. I'm going to pull a quick quote from this chapter that says, we can develop a Christ-like tenacity when we walk stride for stride in submission to the Holy Spirit's leading and prompting. And I just want to, again, touch on the powerful, just biblical truth of the fact that the Holy Spirit resides in us and we are partnering with God in our work And so what has that looked like for you as you have developed that tenacity and walking in step with the spirit? How has that been true in your life and in your calling? 
I think what's so amazing is that just like we only have to worry about one day at a time, like it tells us in Matthew, we can also focus on our calling one day at a time and have an eternal mindset. These things are not at war. I think for me, it's really easy to think that I just need to download whatever God is telling me to do at the beginning and then figure the rest of it out by myself. But because the Spirit is with me, that means that I get to show up every day, focus on my part in that day. But that doesn't just mean that we're focused on the next eight hours. Like, we can do both of those things. And I think remembering that the Spirit resides in me, again, takes the glory off of me. It takes the pressure off of me because I get to be with Him and do the work with Him Mm -hmm. and not just for Him. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. I love that. We also talk in this chapter about this idea of idea blocks. So Mm -hmm. those moments when we are trying to operate in in our creative calling, maybe this area that God's led us to, and we're having to push past and have stick-to-itiveness in a moment where we just have an idea block. And, And I describe in the chapter several reasons I think we experience these moments. So when we're weary, I experience these things when we don't know how to do something and we're just stuck. And when we experience rejection, sometimes for me, I can feel just sort of stifled for a a, a little bit of time when I'm feeling that maybe sting of rejection. And so I wonder, as I describe those, do those feel true in your life? And is there something that comes to mind and how you've partnered with the Lord and you've overcome some of those moments? Mm -hmm. Yes, I resonate with all of them. And I think we're similar in this way. So correct me if I'm wrong. The I don't know how to do it isn't as much of a hindrance for me personally. This is a chapter where you talked about scrappiness and intentionality. And Mm -hmm. that was so helpful. And so for me personally, I'm I'm ready to get it done. I know that I'm just going to keep getting better as I do it. But I think The thing that personally hits the hardest is weariness and rejection. And I think both of those things make me want to quit writing, make me want to quit encouraging, make me want to quit being creative in the ways that God has gifted me. And the thing that I've been thinking about recently, specifically in light of people-pleasing and um, what Nehemiah could have easily been susceptible to in saying like, oh, they're right, like this isn't as important as I thought, is is God's commissioning enough for me and saying and resolving for myself that it is? Because as I was thinking about all three of these factors, the weariness, rejection, and ability, he gives us the rest. He will give us creativity every single day as we sit down to do, we sit down, whatever it is that we're doing, And he has also already accepted us. And so we just have to resolve for ourselves. Is his commission enough for us? Because he will provide everything else. Mm, That's so good. So, so good. Well, the next topic in this chapter, you and I have had a lot of words (laughs) over, over the the years. So much so that I didn't even really write myself a question. I just said, we're just going to riff off of this sort of sentiment. And I talk in the chapter about how I think 
maybe men struggle with this, but I hear this in Christian women so often of describing things that maybe God leads them to do in a way that even if they might not directly use this term, they are treating it like what I call a cute little side hobby. And Michelle Myers in the foreword of Do the Thing wrote a statement that I think speaks to this really well. She said, God is not small. Therefore, the things he calls us to do aren't small either. (laughs) And man, there have been so many moments along the way where I've had to continue to point myself back to ultimately the character of God in that, that then shows me, okay, this is the God that I serve and therefore this is how I should view the work that he's given me to do back to Ephesians that he planned long ago. Mm-hmm. And that matters. So I don't even so much know that I have a question. I have more of a, as I say that, and as you reflect on that phrase, what comes out in you? What comes to mind that you think would be helpful and encouraging to listeners? Yeah, I have so many thoughts, but I think the first question I might have for you is what do you think what do you think compels us to either treat our own thing like this or that other people looking from the outside in don't see it as quote unquote a big deal? Mm. Yeah, I think in my life There have been moments where I have perceived, whether that was true or not, but I have perceived someone's response to me, let's say, starting a podcast, trying to write a book in the early days as, oh, that's really cute. Yes. That's really cute. And, oh, I hope her sweet little dream comes true one day. Mm -hmm. And for a girl who really battles with performance and achievement there's nothing that feels probably more icky and stifling than that, mm-hmm. right? And what and about so, sitting down to do the thing after a full workday feels cute? You know what I'm saying? Nothing. Nothing That's feels right. cute about it. <laughs> Not an ounce of that feels cute. And so I will also say here that, and you and I use this term a lot, moments like what I just described teach me a lot about, and this is the term, who I want to be when I grow up. Mm -hmm. So I also want to say, as we walk alongside other women who are taking steps of obedience Mm -hmm. and are gaining clarity from the Lord in their next steps, I want to be the woman that celebrates that with Mm -hmm. joy and celebrates mm-hmm. how he is at work in the women around me and how dare me leave one of my like fellow sisters in Christ feeling the the way that I just described. Mm-hmm. Right? So just mm-hmm. as we have to fight those moments when we're treating our own like a, a cute little side hobby, may we empower other women to not do the same. Yeah, for right? sure. Yeah. And so, and, and I'll just tag on to that and say, I think comments from from other people can be a reason. I think big reason number two that I see is sometimes there are relationships that just have a little bit of a rub. Maybe 
maybe you have a friend who feels called in a similar way and I'll just use writing a book as an example. I'm just pulling an arbitrary example. Let's say you have a friend who also feels called to write a book and it just so happens to happen faster for you than it does for her. Mm -hmm. I think we have a choice and sometimes the cho the humble choice can feel like playing small mm -hmm. around that friend to not make them feel inferior. Mm -hmm. And... I think we can celebrate both in both directions, how we mm -hmm. see God at work. Mm -hmm. And I think that can be a beautiful thing. And we're not digging too deep into comparison, but I think as, as those moments and those rubs might happen, I think we acknowledge them and realize that if my sister in Christ was called to write a book that maybe happened more quickly for her than it did for me. I wasn't called to write that book. Mm -hmm. And praise God that God has equipped her in such a way and, and then maybe one day me in such a way to run in that lane that he's called me to run in. And so, I don't know, does that resonate? Those are a couple things that come to mind for totally. me. Totally, yeah. Yeah, I think for me, I, without knowing it, I put so much value of numbers on everything that I'm doing. Mm. And I think it's good to evaluate, ask the Lord to search your heart in this area because I am not, I would not say that I am a success, a worldly success driven person. I don't think that we have to have all the fanciest things to like have to be doing, to be exactly where the Lord is calling us to be. But at the same time, you know, if I've only worked on my creative project for three hours that week, I can start to feel like, oh, that's not a lot. Like, that's not enough. Mm -hmm. And, oh, this endeavor isn't going to profit me anything in the next six months. Who am I to do this next thing? And so what I have had to tell myself is that the fruitfulness of what I'm doing is not bound by the time or the profit that we put into it. It's actually in love that we are pouring out because there are people that are in full-time vocational ministry who do not have love. <laughs> and there are people yeah. that are doing side hustles without love, you know? And so ultimately those titles just really don't matter. It comes down to... Yeah to the the fruitfulness of of doing it by the spirit and with the spirit yeah that's so good so good okay two more questions for you well three quickly <laughs> one of them is we are asking this question of all of these guests that are coming on these episodes and so as your parting words to the go-getter girl coming to this conversation what would your best piece of advice be for the girl listening who just desperately wants to see her calling from a more gospel-centered perspective? Yeah, I think I would tell her to be discipled and just keep making disciples. I love strategizing about time management. I love figuring out a good workflow and helping you create lead magnets and setting up the craft table and like all of those things but at the end of the day we complicate it so much 
And every single day when we think through the lens of what am I being fed? What am I being filled with? And then who am I impacting and what am I pouring out? Um, that gives us so much freedom, to your point earlier, to take it moment by moment and day by day with the Lord. Mm. Yeah, that's so good. So, so good. Okay, the last question I ask of every guest that comes on the podcast, you know this question well. The podcast is called Radical Radiance, and just around here we have a heart to just have conversations that point us back to what it looks like to radiate the heart of Christ in all that we do. And so in this season, how would you answer what about Jesus makes you radiant? Hmm. So in both my sinful and redeemed state, I am full of feelings. And I often struggle with this because I feel like it makes my life so much harder than it needs to be. Um, and so this past week, I was just moved with compassion and I was in tears, and I was just kind of wondering, what's the point of this? Like, I, it can feel like a waste of time. It can feel too much and all the things. And when I surrender that feeling to the Lord, He uses it for only good. And here's my example. So um, the, the word used for compassion whenever Jesus was moved with compassion to heal someone and move towards someone in the Gospels is literally um, a gut-wrenching love. And so he literally has a gut-wrenching love for us. And I think it's really easy for us to be desensitized by the things going on in the world, the homeless person on the street. Like we are... Um, we are we tend to just be jaded and cynical sometimes and so i can see a lot of feelings as a bad thing or under the lord's care he uses it to help me see others in a way that someone might mm. not he helps me yeah. um minister to others in a way that someone that's in a hurry will not i get to pray with mm. passion i get to um because I'm so moved by compassion, I will move to action in a way that someone might not. And so I've come to see it in the redeemed state more often and praise God for that. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. Okay. Before we go, I want you to share, where can people find you? Tell us about with the shepherd, all of those things before we go. Yes. So I love hanging out on Instagram. I think it's the best place to have fun and um, have encouragement outside the local context in the church. And so um, you can find me at Emily K. Kurt, E-M-I-L-E-E -E, on Instagram. And I would love for you guys to join us at With the Shepherd. With the Shepherd's heart in coaching, resources, and events is that we would all be living from the heart of Christ and not just for the heart of Christ in our life of ministry. So you can find me there and at emilykurt.com. Awesome. I could not be more thankful for not only this conversation, but just your friendship and your wisdom and I'm so excited we got to have you back on the show for this episode. So, friend, I love you, and I'm thankful for you. Love you so much. I will see you so soon. 
I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Emily as much as I did. Go over to Instagram, give with the shepherd and Emily a follow. Her handle is Emily E-M-I-L-E-E-K Kurt. And I just would love for you to connect with her. She is just such a sweet friend and I think you will adore her as much as I do. So we'll be back next week. We'll be talking all about chapter four of Do the Thing and I'll see you then.